okay, so I'm just recovering from falls versus it's been about three days and I'm still having challenges walking. So that's going well. <laughs> Same. It really caught up to me, but here we are, um, finally getting the recording done. Probably would have been ideal to record this the day after, but that was not happening. No, no, no. I am only just becoming alive. So anyways, <laughs> I think we kick it off with Ball's Day 1. I've written some obscure notes, which I'll try to decipher, which could be a guide because, like, you know, there is a haze of what the hell just happened. Lobster Boys. I think this is... <laughs> Lobster Boys. I think this is about those sunburnt dudes that had clearly been there all day. Maybe they were camping there, but, like, there was seriously, like, a sun-safe issue. What ha- Whatever happened to No Hat, No Play? I remember on the last day there was a guy who had a bikini tan line. Lobster boys were rife. I saw a lot of them, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a big proponent of wearing a rashi and, you know, Legionnaire's cap and yeah, sunscreen. You, like, I love a little sun protection. I haven't been to Falls Fest before and I haven't been to Splendor. You obviously grew up here in Byron, so you had your times here. Uh, new festival grounds, so it's a little bit different. But I could imagine it would have been a fucking hot mess for it to have flooded in that location. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, it was very smooth, this round of falls, I guess. It was nothing like you saw in July, whatever it was. It was really, it was quite nice. There was a lot more walking than I anticipated. I made a dumb decision to wear some slip-on vans on day one. Much like at Meredith when I wore my docks on day one, my legs were just fucked the next day. We didn't camp. We uh, caught the bus there and back, which was a whole experience, and then walked to and from the bus stop. So lessons were learned and they were improved the next day, but definitely one for future if you haven't been to falls or splendor uh there is quite a lot of walking maybe not as much as coachella the step count was insane and there's one hill at falls it's like a vertical climb my first observations were it did feel like there was more spawns than there were stages there was like the main stage with the big hill uh and then there was like the big tent where kind of the electronic acts played and then there was like what i will refer to now as levin's tent because levin's what a champion Three days straight, this man's is like pulling a crowd. Like yeah. he has some serious stamina to be doing that. So young Franco did play in that tent and a few others, but I, I will call and deem that Levin's tent. There was also the VIP area, yeah. which, you know, is just yet another tent. And then heaps of brand activations, which I will say I wasn't mad at the brand activations. They seem to be pulling in people. They seem to be having a good time. There was heaps of food options, which is quite impressive. Mm, there's a lot of food options. I don't know, maybe I'm just desensitized now, but there's a part of you that submits yourself to when you go to a festival that part of them surviving is doing brand activation. So you kind of just take the L, philosophical, conscious level. It is a bit cringy and it does sort of make you double take, but eventually you just kind of look past it. I mean, look, I've worked at several agencies and I've done many a brand activation. And MREC is there to be filled. So. <laughs> look. One of our friends was down from London and her partner works in festivals and he said at a point, it's hard when you work in events because you can't help but take an analytical approach to like, you know, assessing things. Like you're starting to be aware of OHNS, you're starting to be aware of the activations. And I kind of find it hard sometimes to look away from things like, you know, optimizations being like, I would have improved this, that works, that doesn't work. I'm hyper-analyzing things, even though I'm not being paid to do this. Although if you want to pay me to do this for you, I can. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say Secret Sounds does a really good job. Or is it Secret Service? What do they call their brand activation agency? Um, Secret Sounds Connect. something. Connect. 
they do a really good job. Like I will say most of their activations, they've followed the brief, they've delivered, it doesn't look cheap, people are enjoying it. And like they're kind of catering to what they know as their audience. So I think they did a pretty good job. My favourite, even though controversial take, was the McDonald's arches that were turned into a swing and then there was a McFlurry thing. I didn't really understand what was going on, but all I know is people were engaged with it and also it just was funny to me that there's such a big clapback towards like a McDonald's coming into town, but like everything's a free-for-all in this like la-la land, you know? Yeah, exactly. I give McDonald's an A-plus for their ad because simple is effective and you chuck up a big M, not a, not a big M chalky milk, but a big M for McDonald's into a field with a swing. You got your bestie who's wearing shit tons of face glitter and you holding hands. You know, you're not going to leave that experience feeling anything but stoked. I would have done that. You know, you give me an eBay, I'll chuck an E in there. You give me a Tumblr, I'll chuck a T. All, right, well, all right, we get it. You know I don't like when people have to spell out letters and also when they start counting in songs. So this is absolutely triggering. But moving along. But well done. Well yeah. done because it was simple. Brands take note. No point having an argument in the in the office just do the first thing that comes to your mind yeah and especially when you're talking about a commercial audience like they're honestly too fucked to even know what's going on you got to keep it high impact another one that i laughed at at first and then it slowly warmed on me was the pepsi max situation like i loved the way that they were pulling this sustainability play i didn't really understand what was going on i assume they must have used recycled bottles or something to make this stage it was pretty lol but then what worked for me was one they had djs that were like bringing the party like people were having fun they had generally had a crowd two when it was really hot and i needed a non-alcoholic beverage because i don't drink alcohol anymore they were really delivered for me and i you know i'm a coke zero kind of gal but that pepsi max touching my lips when i was fucking sweltering alongside the lobster boys really hit home I have like fond memories of drinking Pepsi Max with a KFC family feast. Mm. So like a lot of things were hitting for me at that moment. So Pepsi Max won me over in the end. I fuck with Pepsi Max. I actually used to think, oh, Pepsi Max was the minor figures to the other. (laughs) But I actually think it's a good drink. It's a different drink. I think when you're trying to make them the same, I like Pepsi Max. Would you say that it's a nice drop? (laughs) Yeah, it's a fine drop. I feel like there could be something in that. All right, moving along from band activations, because I don't want to spend my whole life talking about brands. I'm already doing enough of that shit. Merch tent. So how to look at the merch availability. Standout merch for me was Genesis Arusu. I think he had the best merch. It was a hoodie. It did get cold at night, so I could see the function of that existing. You know what I did notice, though? A strong lack of accessories. Lots of T-shirts, lots of hoodies, but I didn't see enough hats. I feel like if people had hats and stubby holders and stuff, they would have mm. sold a lot of units. So I was really seeing a lack of that. Bottle, bags. bottle opener. No one does lighters at festivals because you can't have fire, but lighter would be good. I mean, have we learned nothing from Woodstock 99? Not having oh, that fire. I just thought of a really good idea, actually. They should make vape holders, like vape stubby holders. To be honest, that's more of a lanyard situation. Hmm. Like you kind of want to put it around your neck like you used to with your phone. I I'm thinking really of more like an AirPod case. Yeah, I could see that being a thing. I mean, even though you keep talking about quitting the vape and it's ruining everyone's life, especially I ours. I am current since day one. <laughs> Guys, we need more accessories. Like you're better That's, off selling because yeah. you don't want to carry shit around. Like if I'm already wearing a T-shirt, why do I want to hold another T-shirt? It all comes back to production. It's always like last minute. They're coming in from wherever they're from or whatever. They're just 
doing their little summer tour. It's like they don't want to have to make the expensive. But it's not that crazy to make it. I mean, like Love Police does all of the merch for most of the festivals. They do have that stock availability. Mm. Sound Merch does basically everyone's merch as well. I don't know. I think it's actually easier to produce some of those accessories. I think it was only King Stingray that had a hat available. Mm. I didn't feel much fan of the merch stand. Yeah, I didn't make a purchase, which is rare for me. We can probably both agree that Genesis was too much like his merch, really just like he really brought home the performance considering he was playing in the sweltering hot sun. I saw him play at Tame Impala, same show, but wasn't as close last time. I really miss seeing his live show, but this version of the show has enough live elements and he's so good that it hits. It's like really world class. I feel like he's going to be really big in like France. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think he'll be good, big everywhere, but a lot of different countries are going to fuck with Genesis. Yeah, I can see it as well. I mean, we did see him perform with a live band at the Oxford Arts Factory with 1300, and that was a really sick show. I think it was last year at some point. Yeah. But yeah, he was definitely a standout for me. I think he just. Are we going to do ra- are we doing ratings? Well, I wasn't going to rate things. All right. But if you really want to, you, you seem to be obsessed with spelling and counting today. I give it a four out of five. It wasn't fully developed in the way that, yeah, I would have loved to see more production, but I don't know what fees he's getting paid and if that would be affordable to fly between. This is the skeleton show where you know he just has to fly him plus the three dancers, that's it. For a skeleton show, very dynamic, like lots of movement. He was he has like infinite amounts of dance moves. So a couple of things that I noticed in the crowd, mm. I was keeping an eye out for fashion trends. You know, there was your classic Byron festival aesthetics and Byron, you know, hippie adjacent world, like maybe more of your Woodfords. And then there's fast fashion core. Yeah. We've talked about this with the Fitzroy boys. We've talked about this with the girlies. I did spot one crew where two of the girls were wearing the God's favorite praying hat and mm. they were doing it intentionally. That was like that bestie vibe. And I wasn't mad at it, but I was like, I'm surprised to see it here. I didn't notice too many other trends other than that. The other trend I noticed, and this is to be expected, was like a lot of Thrills Co. Is that what they're called? Thrills? Yeah. But, you know, that's what a lot of the tradie guys who would attend this festival, you know, it's like offends, thrills. Actually, on the offends thing, every time I saw someone that was like slightly alternative, I'd be like, oh, that's an e-kid. And they'd be wearing some kind of like metal font or like long sleeve edgelord looking merch item. I don't even know what I was looking at. I'd look closely at it, it would be a Fens tote bag, it could be a Fens yeah. top, which I was surprised because in my perception of the Fens, I didn't know they were that edgy really. I know that they have like quite a big footprint here, like obviously the original stories in town, hmm. very much loved. Like, I mean, you wore a Fens tallies once upon a time. Yeah, Fens comes from a cooler place, but yeah, I think they've met the market where it is, which is more, I guess, internet, yeah, maybe kind of punk aesthetic. It used to be quite hardcore and surfer and they've maybe moved away from that a little bit i thought the crowd looked good it was very very festival very like bejazzled you know a bit of hesh and everyone there was just different pockets and i guess that's the classic kind of coming together of all the different aesthetics well i did make a note here that it's pre-store and vintage vintage i didn't see much of the fitzroy boys look like you were saying about thrills and offense and stuff like it looked like people had gone to the op shop there was a lot more like classic vintage not curated vintage i didn't see too much of it uh, in comparison to say some of the melbourne festivals or melbourne crowds that i noticed these things so that was quite pure to see i don't know where this was but i do have a note that says that there was a heavy whiff of wings yes and i did smell that quite a lot 
And yes. I might have been from people that have been camping there. There was definitely like packs of maybe 18, 19-year-olds, maybe at their first festival. A fresh spray just to cover up the first day of festival. Pong. <laughs> I don't know, man. Pong. I'm, I'm just going to say Pong. nudies if you're stinky <laughs> and you Pong? just spray Luke's Africa over the top. Like, I don't know what. Just like, don't believe advertising. This is not a sexual smell. This is... It stinks and yeah. it's not good and it makes it smell worse. I don't remember Lynx Africa used to be antiperspirant either. So it's really just, it's really it's like a a just perfume. a scent. It's not even giving you that. It smells like toilet spray. Yeah. I didn't smell it that much. I smelled it a lot. Maybe it's my height and I was just like yeah. way too in the pit. That was something I just had to flag and take this opportunity to kind of put the call out that it ain't good and you need to chill. Look, you know, like, do your thing, but just like, just, just relax a little bit. Like, I don't know why dudes have to like go so far. All right, so we saw DMA's play. Question mark on later in the night. Yeah, it was maybe like nine p.m. Or something. They had a big crowd, and I wasn't surprised Massive to see that. Crowd. They've done a good job. They are pretty storeroom vintage, vintage. Like they're more like South King Street vintage. That look that they have was like very dad cap, really big, like button up shirt baggy jeans, like skater kind of aesthetics. They've pulled off that look for a long time. And I think that they probably even started a trend with a lot of these like dudes that dress like that now. They looked great. They sounded good. I never really thought about it, but they kind of reminded me of the Buzzcocks. I remember seeing the Buzzcocks play live probably at Meredith. Maybe it was Golden Plains. I know they're a bit cute, a little bit rough, peachy, like similar energies. Question mark on does DMA stand for MDMA? Who knows? I feel like it's out there, but I, I've always wondered that. Three out of five. I didn't see enough of it to give it more. I don't want to just completely align with you, but I probably would say it was a three to 3.5 out of five. I think DMAs are sick and I really like them. And I they seem like very cool people, but I don't personally, I'm not really into that genre. I would like to hear the hits and then probably move along. I'm happy to see the crowd so stoked. They're going to hold up for many years. Cool show, but not for me. I would like to see them play their own show. I think you're getting existential, you're getting up in your feels. Like it's kind of hard to do that when you've just been like raging at the other tent. You're kind of dehydrated and like you're trying to get there again. Like it was just where they kind of sat in the bill was a bit jarring in that way. So I don't know that it was the right time to see them. But I think if I'd seen them in a solo performance, it would probably sit better or earlier in the evening. Yeah. At 11th tent, we did see Anna Leno recording some video footage of him side of stage which I thought was cute considering they kind of came up together in the Sydney scene and then we went to see her perform Anna Luna has always had like a classy energy something about her she's just very elegant when she performs she's with these knee pads and like she'd always be like you know jumping up on the decks and like rolling around on the stage and stuff less of that now she yeah still had her elegance I will say she knows how to clap to the beat like she had this one particular move where she'd like clap the beats and she just got them every time yeah I did make a note when I remember saying it to you at the time. She kind of reminds me of like Annie Mack. I could see her doing a BBC radio show. I mean, I know she's done, was it Apple Radio or Beats? Apple. One of them. She's kind of got that tone to her voice. She's got that elegance. I could see her doing this for a really long time. So nothing but nice things to say about Anna Luno. 3.5 out of 5 because like it's almost like she was bringing it. Her performance was probably higher, but like in terms of crowd engagement like it was just a weird time of the day I think maybe they weren't all the way there yeah that 10 in general was pretty low-key same school yeah Amine 
I've seen Amino perform live before. It was at Max Watts in Melbourne. And I thought that was a really amazing performance. Like he had the full band. He was really into it all. I did not like that performance. You didn't like that performance? No way. It was a bit like near soul. It was like him like jamming. He was jamming, but I think it was his truth and I believed it. Mm. And I thought he performed well. No. No, you weren't into it? I preferred this performance. Oh, okay. I didn't see him play at FOMO, but I do very much recall seeing him at Butter for like one of those poppians. And then I also remember we went to see Carly Uchis. She showed up at Butter much later in the night and I was like, that's suspicious. But, you know, I'm not here to speculate because she's now booed up with Doug Tolliver. So whatever. I mean, I met Mene. We did a shoot with him once at a claim. He touched my elbow and that's as much as I remember. He wasn't really a chatty kind of dude, but he seemed pretty chill. This time it was just him and like a hype man who the hype man like played this kind of TikTok DJ set where it was like 10 seconds of each song and lots of hyping. That's and his then- usual DJ. I don't really care. The point is that 10 seconds of each song and then it was into the next song. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? It was like TikTok snippets. Yeah, it was a lot. I kind of liked it. It was sort of... It went for ages. Like, I reckon the DJ set was longer than the set itself. Yeah. The DJ set before felt like when you've, like, overhit the vape and you start to have nothing's really giving you any serotonin. Yeah, you're just doing it because it's fun. But you didn't fuck with Amino's set, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. So going back to Amino, here's what I'll say. He was wearing this blue shirt. And it was giving me strong, and maybe it's just the association with Brockhampton with that blue, particular type of blue. He was giving me this real Kevin Abstract energy, which didn't feel like a mina. Yeah. He was trying to do this kind of performance that felt like he was playing his festival set. And he was doing like, you know, running around on stage. He's not like a running around type of guy, airplane arms back and forth on the stage. Obviously he has his like older hits, which the Triple J audience would be very familiar with. And they were kind of making requests and stuff. Then he was doing some of his newer stuff, which had like that, some of it has that boom bap vibe that is why probably I am associated with Kevin Abstract. But like mixing those two things together were kind of a little bit jarring. I don't know that everyone was completely engaged the whole time. They were really just waiting around. It felt like they were waiting around for his older stuff because that felt like the festival kind of songs. Like they wanted Caroline, they wanted Red Mercedes, they wanted all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was one distinctive thing that he was doing this particular voice and don't know why. I don't know if he's lost his voice or they had his mic really low. And he was doing this like gremlin voice real like throaty lyrics like you'd be like Caroline like that kind of vibe and it just sounded really like confronting and I felt uncomfortable yeah usually when they're struggling to like get it out they sort of have to start hitting different registers and stuff it felt like possessed registers I I thought the set was like fine three and a half I actually forgot all of his hits. I like all of his albums that he's dropped since the first album. So he's got all these, he's got all these low key bangers that I like when you hear that sort of fake synthetic bass of the original song, like the 808. So instead of like a, a band, I don't like when there's like a tinny sort of band playing like a, an original song like that. But that was me. Look, I don't know. There was also little gimmicks that were happening that were kind of getting annoying as well, which one was when he played <laughs> Spice Girl and then he actually played the full Spice Girl song. He's AJ played full Spice Girl song and that was like a clear, like, let's get this crowd back, which I wasn't mad at, but like the way people lost their shit or like wannabe it was kind of like oh this just feels cringe for him like i feel like he would hate this internally what like, it's called yeah wannabe i thought it was my lover no <laughs> what Damn, don't cut well that. don't cut that i won't cut that because exposed anyways and then the other thing was i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do it you won't shut up about it but like he kept doing <laughs> oh god it actually made me feel really uncomfortable he kept pandering to his statistically probably like 78 percent female audience by saying 
when I say <laughs> you're beautiful, you say I know, and he just every song oh, he would God. say it three times, like you're beautiful, and then everyone's like I know, and I was like oh yeah, that that made me actually want to be sick, and I I'm probably skewed, like I'm squirming as we're talking about it, and I'm like that was bad. That, I did not like that at all because he would do that voice doing the beautiful voice. Hey, so much. Yeah, so. but then he'd do the gremlin voice, and I was like I'm really confused by the like exorcism voice and then the pandering voice but like that said i actually really like amine and that particular performance just threw me i don't know what happened mm-hmm. or if it was just because i haven't seen her in a festival also we weren't feeling lit at all like we were just yeah we were i think maybe my much eyes stone cold sober at this point so. yeah i'm like wi- eyes wide open sometimes you have to be a little bit like drunk or high or something to feel you know to almost like <laughs> yeah to feel beautiful you need know, like fill in the cracks of maybe an imperfect performance so yeah yeah i'd probably say for me it was like probably a 2.5 based on all the other factors that doesn't take away from and that's the name of his album that's crazy (laughs) well there you go we didn't get to see all little nas x's set there was four outfit changes within three songs i feel like it was a really high production stadium show feel because he was like world building i think he lost a lot of the audience at lots of points because it was almost like they were waiting too much there's too many projections going on there's too much waiting for outfit changes. Maybe they're a bit disengaged. People had to mass exodus because they need to catch the bus. I think sometimes when you see someone who's trying to give this very, no, I wouldn't say it was experimental in that way, but I think the audience kind of weren't there for that. There's almost a certain itch you're trying to scratch when it's New Year's Eve. It's almost like you want it to be more about you. It was like this insanely impressive performance. It's also like very shiny. People at that festival love DMAs, love Ocean Alley, and I don't know if this super shiny performance. Well, it's almost like a big pop act that could have played on a laneway festival. It's almost like it was too impressive. Maybe the audience just wanted to like dance to a Jamie XX song or something, as opposed to having to watch something that was stimulating in a maybe intellectual way. Yeah. Day one done. Day two. So Rico Nasi is who we showed up for and last time I saw her play was at FOMO and that was just before COVID. She even said that was her last trip to Australia and last festival that she played before the COVID restrictions. She fucking delivered last time and she delivered this time and I will say hottest crowd. Compared to the day before and I'm very much analysing the crowd at all times but the girlies were out, the hot girls were out, girls were on shoulders like the baddies showed the fuck up and I was here for it. Elle, like, did the styling for this. She was kind of dancing around on stage, filming stuff. She fucking slayed on the looks. Like, the look was very cute, very Rico, loved it. Everyone loved it. So 4.5, considering she just had her on a DJ. I was just, like, getting riled up, as I do, and so was everyone else. And, like, she had, like, a decent-sized audience as well, considering it was burning hot sun at that time. Yeah, it was a really good performance. She does it in a very cool way. Four and a half. So we're in the VIP area and I did overhear someone say that everyone's here for Mole Grab. So just to foreshadow what is to come when we do end up in the tent at Mole Grab, like I'm getting this feeling that everyone's just waiting and hanging out for Mole Grab. That's what's going on. I heard girlies whispering about it. So that was that. I did see lots of Fitzroy boys out and about on this day in particular. Again, feels aligned to more grab DJing that later that night and Peggy Goo. Yeah, this was the like electronic go hard day. Yeah, exactly. It was Peggy Goo, more grab. DJ Seinfeld. Disco, Seinfeld, Mokda. 
Shout out to Mokta who hooked us up with these tickets. Big shout out. I did also notice a lot of the Olivia Rodrigo girlies are out. Like I saw the docks with the socks and the little braids. And I don't know who was provoking this particular day to bring these looks out, but I did notice it. DJ Seinfeld played. I really enjoyed his set. He played like a Ministry of Sound throwback set. That's like he was playing songs that I haven't heard really since early 2000s. Um, I mean, not that I haven't heard them at all, but like in the context of like proudly playing these songs that I'd heard when I used to go to Prince of Wales or on my Ministry of Sound compilations or Vicious Cuts <laughs> compilations. He did play piano, like P J A N O O, the Eric Prince song. Yes. Yeah, he did play that. That was really cool. Oh, he did play Bob Sinclair as well. Yeah, he had a really good set. And he played another one that was like really sending me back. Oh, I I kept trying to think about this at the time, but Niles Barkley was the one that I was trying to think of. I swear the sound earlier in the day for these DJs was louder and better than as it got into the night. It kept getting lower or something. It felt like it was really punching at that time and then... Three hours later, it was sort of like, where's the volume gone? So he was sounding really loud and I liked it. He had a decent crowd as well. Like, he was just so happy to be there. There was a dude in the crowd that had his phone up and it just said acid. You remember that? Yeah, like question mark. Like, can I have <laughs> some acid? <laughs> oh, I have a note here. And this was obviously like leaning in from the Mokta, CC Disco, DJ Seinfeld into more grab Peggy Goo. Like, there, there's this clear demographic that's here. A lot of the Fitzroy boys, we did see that. It's Roy Garage party. They didn't write sesh on the doof stick, bobbing around. <laughs> I have a note here that just says, is Gorpcore just dadcore? Instead of stealing their dad's sailing gear, they're stealing their hiking gear. And I do think about this a lot where we're kind of evolving more into this direction, but it's kind of just the same pool of aesthetics. Moving into mole grab, I really fuck with mole grab. Like, obviously, he brings this particular crab, which, again, I don't have a problem with, but he is actually a cool dude. Um, we saw him at his launch, his record launch in Rough Trade in London, and that was really sick. I will say that this man has the best clothes. Like, he actually has a Depop shop where he sells a lot of it and, like, never-ending supply of clothes. This guy is dripped. In terms of the set, I think, again, the sound was just really quiet. Yeah. Maybe it has something to do with when the crowd doesn't fill out or something. It starts to affect the acoustics or something but i don't know listen to a bunch of his sets online and we saw him play that show and this one didn't the crowd didn't show up i don't know who he was competing with must have been who was he competing with because i like i said earlier that day i heard people being like everyone's waiting for more grab and given the build-up of that lineup in that tent I think it was spacey jane maybe which is a pretty big one i expected it to be heaving he played like an hour and a half and again the sound was just pretty mid Seemingly, everyone was there for Peggy Goo because as soon as she came on, it got rammed. Yeah, it was and kind people of were half like, full for him. People were like cheering yeah, as she came committed. on. And I was surprised that an Australian audience. I, I had no idea that how big she is. Like she has. Oh, so... dude, she's massive. She's had the biggest year, biggest few years. You know, she used to play at Potato Head and stuff. Like I know she's playing at um, this one venue that's just popped up in St Hilda. Like she's got that South Side appeal as well. Like she mm. kind of hits a lot of demographics. And also because she's really cool. She has the German thing, but then also has the Korean thing. Like she kind of has these different flags around the world that you could connect with her. She's also in the fashion space, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think she's just really hit the mark. She had a full tent for most of her set. She had like some kind of sparkly bejeweled beanie or hat on. 
her graphics are really cute as well. Like I was really surprised that a lot of these DJs didn't have graphics going or they were like only sometimes there or they really didn't have much going on in the projection space. The screen seems quite small. I'm not sure. Like it just, there wasn't enough lighting going on in that tent. That tent was like very raw. Yeah, it was stripped not, back. Wasn't allowing, which is kind of disappointing to be honest because, you know, so much of a DJ show can be enhanced by good lighting and adding depth and maybe adding a screen in front of the DJ and all that stuff. This felt very bare bones. When it was empty, it just felt a bit sort of like, ooh. There was also like a shitload of mud. We, yeah, we there was like, like mud in left. this corner. And... Some people were just going a bit too dummy and it was kind of freaking out, but it was fine. I mean, we thought we were going to leave kind of close to the start of the Peggy Goose after staying so late the night before to see Lil Nas X. So I didn't think I needed to see Jamie. Like I've seen him play before. <laughs> I remember years ago, again, we did another shoot with the XX and he was so reserved and shy. It was almost like Rummy and Oliver kind of like hanging out. And then Jamie would just like wander off by himself and was very like almost emo. <laughs> and like in my mind, I just always have that picture of him doing that and then thinking like he was going to play a really existential like set. I was proven wrong because he played like a pretty thumping DJ set. Yeah. And I always didn't want to leave and we had to because we need to catch the bus. One of the only DJ sets also on the main stage, which is fun. It's so funny how main stages in general don't want to put big electronic acts on, but it, it was really working. Yeah, I thought that it really set the tone and pace. People were really into it. So, yeah, I'd probably say like a four out of five on Jamie XX. Yeah, sure. Day three, this is when people started getting a bit rowdy, I guess because it was like the last day. Yeah. <laughs> The bus on the way there was pretty fucking rowdy this time. We, I think we went a little bit earlier maybe. I can't remember why, but, like, you know, people, there was a dude just, like, sculling a whole bottle of Pinot Grigio. Yes, but in the brown paper bag. Yeah. <laughs> Another the, whole, the whole bus ride that particular day was really chockers and loud. and Yeah, really loud. This That one dude that was particularly loud was sculling fireball from the bottle. Yeah. So that kind of indicates what's going on here also had that booming voice that you know those voices that just cut through it's like everyone's chatting but this one voice seems to just ride across it and he was just my ear holes I was just like out yeah catapulted by the fireball it was just a lot he asked the guy who was drinking the peanut grigio who was very tatted up he's got shaved head and he's like should i get this tattooed in my first one and it was two axes crossed and he's like <laughs> where do you want to get it he's pointed to like the soft spot where a baby would have a soft spot of his head and he's like i'm gonna get it here and i don't know what they were talking about but everyone seemed to be into it i think you should get it so if you're listening get the double axes on the head <laughs> as your first hat for oh god oh all right so we've arrived to see pink panther s and like you know what? like i actually think she's really sweet and i think she's got a huge career ahead of her but i haven't personally fallen in love with her like that i never loved lily allen or KDB or any other kind of like baby voice over the top. Like I just have never fallen in love with it. So I don't think it really hit for me. Like I think she is a really smart artist that knows exactly what she's doing. Love her look. I think she's really talented, but it just hasn't hit home for me. So I was there to be impressed. It won me over a lot more seeing her live. It's not the kind of music I just put on. There is like... Versus everyone else in the world who this is the music to put on, just to put on. I mean, even when we're at Meredith, you know, everyone likes to play a little Pink Panther to just let you know they're in the know, like yeah. Caribou was playing, or maybe it was in the Daphne set, where they just drop a little Pink Panther. It's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same guy, FYI. <laughs> 
I just haven't been pilled. I think she was really sweet. I think she performed well, considering it was just her. She had a hype man as well, and I thought that was a nice touch. For a festival performance, it could have been a bit low key. She was wearing this outfit that just reminded me so much of my sister Jay. Like, identical outfit. And she even had the little handbag, which I still, like, really want to know what is inside this little handbag if it's just purely aesthetic. It has, like, memory foam in there or something. Yeah, like, I just want to know what's inside. I reckon it's got... Her vape. She's got her cord, like Apple, not AirPods, but cord. oh yeah, yep. She's got her vape. She's got her Blustex lip balm. I'm really just reading out Jay's hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just like what doing the high essentials from memory. Probably a mascara. No, no a mascara. Maybe a scrunchie and like a shark lid. I think that's probably about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what the purpose of having it there. I mean, it's cute and it's a cute little gimmick, but it, I could imagine it'd be really annoying to have this little handbag on stage. But then again, I bring my handbag everywhere. It's, a, it's prop. It's, she's, it's like saying something. It's fashion. I mean, again, much like Rico, hotter audience. Not as hot as Rico's audience, but the audience. The girlie showed up and I love to see it. I like to say it. She had good banter. She was amazingly confident and super awkward simultaneously. And I... I don't know how she was doing it. I was yeah, like, it was really strange because, again, reminding me of my sister. Her banter made me like her in the way that I was like, you're giving me little sister energy. She was just so awkward, but she just kept chatting away. I loved when she tried to get into the Arctic Monkeys banter, but I don't really think she knows anything about Arctic Monkeys because there was a sign up that someone was like, Alex Turner, like, give me a chance. And then the other side, it's suck it and see. And she thought the suck it and see was so funny. I kept like making the joke, but I don't think she realized that like that's like an Arctic Monkeys reference. I think she just thought it was oh, like someone being horny. Yeah, it's an album. Oh, I had no wow, idea. Wow, Harry, fucking out here. I'm not an AM stan at all. I'd love to see her with like a bigger production and I'd love to see her in the UK. I think that would be I'd really love to see her DJ, to be honest. Like, mm. I'd love to see her. I don't know. It's I, I don't really know where she goes from here as a performer, but I'm sure it will. I just don't know how it goes from here because she can't do this shtick forever. It's, it's got a time limit on it. So. Well, I also think for me, why maybe I haven't completely adopted it other than it's just not generally being my go-to sound is that it kind of reminds me of those study playlists on YouTube and like me and my PTSD from studying. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm not really trying to play like lo-fi beats. You know what I mean? I am happy she didn't try to like do the NPC like showing you that she knows how to produce thing. Like that was cool. She actually shouted out Iggy Azalea as her favorite Australian artist and even did some of the raps. And I thought that was pretty funny. And I was hoping, and I really hope it happened, that her and Amy from Amazon Sniffers met backstage because Mullum Girl, I'd love to see that crossover happen. So. There was something about her that reminded me of Tanache, like the early young Tanache when she was still doing like the SoundCloud before Two On. She had that kind of like goofy confidence and, you know, she does the whole bedroom thing. I hope that I don't see her on Dancing with the Stars in the future. I didn't want to see that. No, well, the thing is nowadays artists are allowed to be whoever they want because that's actually better for sales. Whereas five, ten years ago, artists like Tanache were kind of put in the wrong box and marketed the wrong way yeah what was your rating for um, i'd probably give it a three and a half i'd probably say a three out of five with potential to grow yeah the only two things left to talk about that are worth talking about are animal and the sniffers yes. and arctic monkeys so standout performance probably for me was animal and the sniffers it was between them and rico nasty but animal because they're like they had the full band that 
obviously this is their hometown, like they're from Mullum. They just fucking brought the energy. Like I love Amon sniffers. Yeah, it was fucking so sick. It was, it was just wild. She, like Amy from Amel is just like such a fucking star. Like she reminds me of Chrissy Amphlett from the Divinals. A lot of people will refer to Akadaka, like ACDC, in terms of like riffs or whatever the fuck. For me, they have the same energy as Eddie Conrad. And like mm. they've really got that punk energy. And I have to specifically talk about her because she's just such a superstar. And not just while she's performing, but while she's like bantering with the crowd, while she's doing shit that's got nothing to do with the performance. Like they came out singing along to Eminem. <laughs> That was fucking funny as, and just like leaning the fuck into that. What song was it? Guess he was back, back again. <laughs> he was rapping and like did like a heart with the peace yeah. sign thing. Oh my god, it was just oh, the best way. Just such a great performance. Yeah, like everything about that performance was just so on point and just like moshing, like she's like head banging with a tongue like, out, and yeah. like none of this was like for the gram, you know. None of it was like, oh, this will do well on TikTok. It's like they are just legitimately doing their shit. Dude, she's like fully doing like hardcore dance. Yeah, like she's like on the fucking floor on the amp. She ran into the crowd at one point. <laughs> just like everything about her, like, you know, she'll do a little like bodybuilder poses she like, did this one rant where she was like <laughs> she was like all the punk people think we're too pop and all the pop people think we're too grot grot suck my ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was like suck my ass and then she said like another little lie and then she'd be like yeah well suck my ass and she just kept <laughs> saying it i was like suck my ass 2023 that's a great that's a great fucking shirt right there dude she was just sma yeah she was fucking sick i love the red-headed bass player he's so fucking tough oh man because we saw them play early on when they played it i think it was golden plains early on it was like 3 p.m in the day they were just starting we've seen them out and about like at northcote plaza fully dolled up there is no like performance here it's just like they're so real and he used to have the mullet remember like he's obviously cut it off because he's sick of everyone having a mullet now but like they really brought it home no faults in their performance you know what as well little things that i did notice was they were so fucking tight as a band and you wouldn't even pay attention to it but because we had this like perfect spot against the rails she'd do these really like subtle nods to the band or to the sound like Mm. you wouldn't really pick up on it but i could see they had like a sign language going on right and you don't even need to communicate and you already know like that is a sign of a band that knows what the fuck they're doing but the fact that they can be that tight and be that much of a band and not feel like they're just trying to sell out or whatever the fuck people would say yeah is really hard to execute so i have to give it up to them you know i'm gonna say it was a five out of five performance for me i agree I feel like even if we could see the visuals as well, it would have made it even better. Also, the sheer volume of songs. Like, I didn't realise... Like, I mean, I've listened to their music a lot, like that particular album. I love the song Knifey. Knifey is... That one's really good. It's, like, one of their slowest songs, but it's, like, it goes to show how much range they have from going really hard and then her vulnerability as as a woman and then but she's so tough being like a young suburban girl as well like i could relate to so many of her lyrics she really captures this essence of like rage and sadness and like you said with the vulnerability you know i feel like that in general where i like you have to play tough as a reaction to your environment but really like you know when she's even singing about like let me in your pub i'm looking for love like that kind of yeah 
sentiment is so on point. It's like a misunderstood. She really captures angst super well. I also think, I gotta say it, but like she is one of the best lyricists I've seen in a long time. Like because of the nature of the songs, you know, being high energy and also they've got like this very Australian perception, the way they talk, like her banter on stage and everything. She's really fucking clever. Like she plays on words uses puns and like metaphor really really well like her narrative and world building is really really strong i heard that they'd moved to la and i hope to see them just like fly even higher i mean obviously already signing to rough trade globally like they've got a fan base around the world but i would love to see it happening more if you go on their youtube like after that i went and watched all the video clips again and the comments on there were just like so positive and it'd be a lot of like older punks just being like i am an ex-punk or an old punk and like i haven't heard a band like this in 20 30 years or whatever like to be able to reach like cross-generational fans i think that's something special yeah very strategic play dolly part in nine to five as the exit song and mm-hmm. i thought that was super on point as well so very very well curated we were kind of like in two minds about whether we were going to stick around for arctic monkeys or not even though i was a young indie girl i was like nana because like i don't have to stick around like i don't want to deal with the bus ride blah 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 <laughs> look <laughs> so anyway so now come we're on just... bring it home let's go we're at the Arctic Monkey Show. Full festival is here at this point. Like, it is fucking packed. And we're all waiting around. And I'm, like, you know, quite nonchalant at this point. I was like, I don't know about the new album, which I'm not going to lie. I think I need to re-listen and give it a proper listen after seeing them perform. But anyways, we're up there and I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, yes, I was in the indie scene as they were coming up. Yes, there was once upon a time when I would have lost my shit seeing Arctic Monkeys, but I was like, you know, I've grown up now. Like, you know, I'm here for them. You know, Alex Turner's hot, but whatever. And then they entered the stage. And like, I think I teleported back, like however many years it's been. And I was suddenly just like, oh, I've never been a super fan like that, but the fandom unlocked. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of the 1975. Like that feeling of like, that particular type of band that you've kind of seen grow and now they're like quite mature and you forever will be that like young girl that first heard this band and that's where I went in my mind let's not lie like Alex Turner knows how to captivate an audience like he was giving me like Nick Cave almost like very slick kind of grown into this kind of like classic rocker very like elegant he's basically not giving you anything but his voice is just like it's flawless mm-hmm and the band is so tight and they've fucking got the songs well like this is like a big discography of songs i kind of thought they would just play the new stuff but yeah. they really did deliver on throughout not going back too far but they did give us a little bit they threw us a bone here and there yeah i mean i was just waiting for do i want to know and thank god we got to hear it yeah i think we left shortly after that i was so happy we saw do I Wanna that was know. the one for us to actually see Otherwise, we're going straight back into the archives and we're trying to, like, I just feel like they've kind of outgrown some of their earlier songs because they were, like, in their early 20s or maybe to even teenagers when they first, I think they were, like, even, like, 16 when they first started. They probably, like, evolved so far. Like, he's grown so much as an artist and a person. Like, he was such a shy, awkward indie kid before. Like, I would say Alex Turner's kind of followed the mod aesthetic. He always kind of looked like the guy from Quadrophenia. Damn, they have a lot of, they have 38 million monthly listeners. They're not a small band. Like even in their subreddit, in the world. they've that? literally got like a huge subreddit that is active. Um, that's crazy. That's like a giant band. Everyone that's ever like gone through like indie thing, like we all remember Alex Turner's letter about Alexa Chung, and like they were just such an it couple. They kind of remind me of Five Hundred Days of Summer, and like let's not lie, he 
is a superstar in that way and them as a band have like a they have like a lifetime appeal that i think will just kind of continue on as we go along i'm not saying like they're like the beatles the rolling stones but like they're pretty fucking up there their live performance was like enough to like catapult me back into going into the discography watching the videos again and like giving a fuck enough to give the album a listen so can't fault them pretty effortless performance probably say it was like a four and a half only because i didn't see enough the amount of time that we did spend there pretty fucking up there i'd probably even give it a five if i'd watched enough it was really epic to see them i wasn't that emotional about it i thought it was really cool did you hear that song live i was actually singing it out loud which is saying something my hand was up it was a euphoric moment hand was up my hand is currently up just to see that and to see a couple of their other songs and actually some of the new stuff i was like this is really actually kind of cool the crowd and it, just to see in that setting it was like seeing them in a stadium it almost felt because this amphitheater was so kind of scaled this hill it was really fun to see them play in front of what i think is the perfect setting yeah i mean i'm sure that their melbourne performance would have been good and mild life was opening and dma's in sydney so i mean that's really fucking sick for mild life those guys were in the indie scene with me so that's a really big achievement i heard that arctic monkeys asked for them to support so i hope that's true i hope they got to connect a young members only wearing mild life or their former iterations of the bands they were in before mild life um would be really stoked to be part of that so very sweet to see i'll definitely be giving the album a listen so uh to the label reps just so you know you want one over shout out tom yeah <laughs> all right well falls fest outies all in all pretty good experience i'll definitely be back i'm keen to get a free ticket next year and go back all right uh... who's who's handing us one yeah chat soon